You are listening to episode 69 of the Remind Yourself podcast. Welcome to the Remind Yourself podcast, the podcast for physician moms just like you who want to ditch mom guilt, stop yelling, and start enjoying their lives today. I'm your host, Michelle Chestovich, certified life coach, family physician, and mom of four. If you want to overcome overwhelm for once and for all, this is the place for you. Hello, Mama Docs. Welcome back. I am so excited to have yet another amazing guest with me today. Today's conversation is going to be very important for so many reasons. And so without further ado, I am going to introduce my guest today and let her tell us a little bit about herself. Her name is Dr. Laura Fortner. Thank you for being here today. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. I am delighted to be here and talk with all of you. I am a OBGYN from Ohio. I live in a little, not a little, but a farm with four kids. So I'm a mama doc. And about 10 years ago, I got sued for medical malpractice. And there was something that, and it hit me, it shook me to the core. I was actually right after the holidays, I was in my home playing with my kids and I got a knock. And I thought it was odd because I live kind of a mile off the road and answered the door with my three little ones, five, three, and one at the time. And it was a sheriff there. And he handed me papers. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I don't say this to scare anybody. Like, I don't want you all to be scared. No, but I think just to realize like this was your reality. Were you, when you saw the sheriff, were you having any idea what was going on or what happened next? Yeah, I was taken aback by it. And then he handed me the papers, said I was served. And I knew instantly it was medical malpractice. I'm an OBGYN. I did know of a case that had happened, gosh, 12 years before then that, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, bad outcomes happened to really good docs and something happened that wasn't expected. And I had always had that in the back of my mind that maybe one day I might get served. I just want to repeat something for everybody to hear. Bad outcomes happen to really good docs. I don't think that we can say that enough. And I know we'll have more conversations about it. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just think that was very much worth repeating. I think we think, you know, we have all this control, I think many times in medicine, and we, we give our best care, our best knowledge. We practice by American body of whatever, you know, um, specialty you're in. And really you guys, the stats are, if you're practicing until the age of 65, low risk specialties, the chance of you getting named in a lawsuit is 75%. And in high risk specialties, it is 99%. Whoa. Wow. That's really important for people to know. Yeah. I think the thing is, and this is brings me back to like the introduction a little bit is, you know, this is normal. This yes, we need to normalize normal. it and have conversations. Yeah. We need to get rid of there. There's so much shame and stigma, which I know you'll get into, but that's very dangerous. Ladies, you've heard me talk before about how we need to get into the air and talk about things. And this is why we're having this very important conversation for people to know they're not alone. 
And in fact, this happens quite routinely. Yes. The thing is, because of our culture of silence in medicine and the culture of perfectionism, we just perpetuate sort of an isolation around this topic. No one's talking about it. No one's being outspoken. And unfortunately, it should be normalized. We should know, I think, be prepared from med school on that this most likely will happen. And this is how we can prepare ourselves and really get ourselves through something. And so You know, out of what had happened with me and this lawsuit that I had in front of me, I I of course went through all the emotions like everyone else, shame, anger, frustration, fear, fear of the unknown, fear of and worry of my income, fear that I might lose, you know, lose that or my insurance rates would go sky high or I couldn't practice anymore. Even went to the fear of losing my license. Like all of those fears are actually pretty normal when something like this happens because we aren't prepared for it. We don't understand the process. And, you know, when you think about what we do know, we don't know anything about it because no one's talking about it. So it's like, right. Those statistics I had no idea that they were so high. So yes. that alone, it's just like, again, everything gets swept under the rug and people think they're the only ones. I'm the only one who's going through this really difficult time. We're yes. here to tell you today, it's not abnormal and we need to prepare. Yes. And so this is what was born. This is why I decided to do what I do now is help physicians thrive through medical practice and adverse events because these things happen to us. And Unfortunately, we're not trained how to think because we immediately, you know, our primitive brain or our amygdala gets hijacked and we go into several responses, flight or fright, and really hard for us to get out of it. We start ruminating on it. We start obsessing about things. We can't focus. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about here, Michelle, but I I think the bottom line is I started and founded my company, the MedMal Coach, because of this very fact that we there's no resources for physicians and there's no out for us. And I want to be that for people. I want to be your sounding board. I want to know and help you through the process. And, and for, for me healing, so my case went on, the average case actually, when you get sued, the average case lasts about five years until it's totally closed. Wow. Not to scare That's anybody. a long time. But, no, but again, I think we just need to normalize. This is what's going to be going on. Meanwhile, you need to live your life and you're probably still practicing medicine. How do you go to work every day and do your job when in the back of your head, this is hanging over you? Yeah, this is really the, the crux of what I do and why it's so important to start talking about this because you do have to figure out a way to give, get through life. And what most of us are doing, what I did the first several years of my case, because I didn't know what to do or how to handle myself is I was just surviving. I was just getting, getting through. I was coming home and not being present when I wanted to be present. I was obsessing about my charts. And was I, you know, documenting when I needed to document if I get sued again with the, you know, another case, you know, and, and then you start thinking about like the details in detail, what could I have done differently? could I have done this? Should I have done this? Right? Like you, it's endless in terms of the behaviors that we start getting into in terms of just ruminating constantly and not then living fully. 
And to me, that sounds like that could be a dangerous place to be. My listeners know I talk all about normalizing mental health and, you know, raising awareness about how we're at high risk for suicide. That just seems like that could be a very dangerous place. Do you have any statistics about that? I mean, I'm sure that there's an increase in anxiety and depression. And I've had several folks that have reached out to me said that they've been in similar situations. They had a ton of suicidal thoughts. So I'm just curious yes. about your take on that. Yeah. So statistics are, so what I love about what I do is um, there was a physician in the nineties who started doing research on physicians going through medical malpractice. And she was a psychiatrist. Her name is Dr. Sarah Charles. And she found that 95% of us go through what's called litigation stress, which is the surviving, which is this you know, ruminating that I'm talking about and not being present, not living fully and, and really having a hard time figuring out how to live with joy again, because our joy gets zapped out of us. We don't have peace of mind. Our self-confidence goes way down. Okay. And so all of those things. And so 95% of us suffer from this surviving and there's a continuum. So litigation stress can go into something called medical malpractice stress disorder which is characterized, it's in the DSM. Yeah. And it's characterized as anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. Yeah, shoot, that's a horrible combination. Yeah, yeah. And about 10 to 20% of physicians go into that category when they get sued. So it is high. I feel like those statistics are very high. And it is something that we, like I said, I think the first step is normalizing conversation, starting to talk about it. And it's kind of funny that the very, th you know, when you get served, you know, you have to talk to your insurance company, you talk to your lawyer, the very first thing out of their mouth is we're not allowed to talk about it. Oh, this that you're not supposed to talk about it yeah. with like your best yeah. girlfriend. Yeah. You're not supposed to talk about it with anybody. Well, most physicians take this literal and sometimes they don't even talk to their spouse about it. And which is harmful in itself, because this is not the way to heal you guys. And so of course I went years in isolation and what they should be saying is you can't talk about the details in the charts, but you can talk about how it's impacting you. You can talk about how you're feeling. You can talk about how it's disrupting your life now. And everyone needs to understand that anything that, you know, when somebody serves you, there's a whole affidavit, you know, publicly in the public records. Like, it's not like people can't find it. It's public knowledge that somebody's suing you. Right. And why but, they're suing you. So it's so dumb. That they yeah, but it makes sense. It. I mean, of course, we're not just like with HIPAA. We don't talk about the details of patients, but right. to just say like, I'm undergoing a very stressful situation. I've been served. It seems right. like that. Again, we're getting the wrong message. And so I think it's really important to bring it up because, you know, I love to quote Brene Brown. I don't have an exact quote, but like shame grows in the dark. It that does. is a very shameful thing for it so does. many people. Shame is the number one emotion that most every single one of my clients goes through and that I really teach to process because in the, I had to process, I had to learn this stuff myself to get through it and then thrive afterwards. And, and I really, I actually thrived during my case, not until, and it wasn't closed. And I feel like this is what we need to help physicians get to is like, putting it in a place that is normal and that it's okay. It's happening and it's normal to get sued as a physician. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad doctor. 
Right. And mistakes happen. Even when you're doing everything right, sometimes bad outcomes happen. Yeah. And I've made mistakes. I practiced medicine for 20 years. I made mistakes. But here's what I'll tell you to at least be able to say to my close inner people, like I made a mistake and I could sob and cry and have that support. It just helps you feel better to let it out. Right. Cause we really are good at shoving down emotions mm-hmm. as dogs. Yeah, resisting- we resist. Yeah. yeah. Resisting and avoiding the emotion. Cause this is what all docs do, especially when this happens, they're really resisting and avoiding it and trying to, it doesn't work. No, it, it doesn't. It's very dangerous. It comes out sideways. So I was just saying, even when I would like go to my partner and say like, Oh my gosh, I did this and I made a mistake and I'm so upset about it. And I could like cry and let it out and be heard. That alone was healing. Yes. And this is, we know this, especially uh, Martha Beck does a lot of stuff on the human brain, right? And the thoughts and the things. But here's the thing, when you share what's going on with you in front of a compassionate witness that has been through the same thing, that can be healing in itself. I have people come to me, they have one conversation and they feel so much better. And then they're able to go on. It prevents us from healing when we're not, when we think we're really not allowed to talk about it. And I, I want to change the face of that in the US for sure of like, they should be saying, please go talk about this and how it's going to impact you. Just don't talk about the details of the chart. Right. So what would you, if you could have like a sentence to tell somebody if they were going through this, like, okay, you can talk about it. My thought is like, get a coach, get a therapist, something like that to go to process these things. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. My thought is I'll be honest. I'll tell you my whole history if you want to know, but I tried therapy. I tried something called EMDR actually, which I do think was helpful. I had a truck, my case went to trial. So I had some post-traumatic stress from that. And that's part of the characterization of litigation stress and MMSS. But I'll tell you the thing that got me to the place where I was peaceful. I was like wanting to thrive through my life was hiring a life coach and actually working through how to process emotion. I had no idea. I actually thought it was foo-foo in the beginning. I thought, what is this thing? There's no way this is going to work. But when you're, you know, sort of a last resort, like I felt like, okay, this is my last resort. I might as well see if this works for me because I didn't want to keep just living to survive. I wanted to live to survive. It's like, Yeah, I always called it like I was almost drowning, but like my little nose was above water and I worked so hard to keep my head above water. I agree. I think coaching is magical, but it's more than that. It's actually scientific proven. And like we're in the several articles in JAMA showing how coaching is beneficial. It is my mission to continually spread the word that coaching is vital. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to state it right here that I think in a few years, it's going to be unconscionable for organizations to not have standardized coaching or perhaps therapy for us to be seeing on the regular. Hopefully we're not having to deal with malpractice, but now we've got an amazing resource if you are struggling with that. But just the trauma that we deal with day after day. And again, I sing this song all the time on this podcast, but we deal with a lot of trauma as physicians and we're never taught to deal with it. And so coaching does allow you to learn how to process emotions, deal with emotions, understand our brain a little bit better beyond like the neuroanatomy, those awesome things that we learned about the brain. Yeah. And I think, you know, what we were taught was how to resist and avoid. Yeah, for sure. Like you can't cry on rounds. I got (laughs) nudged a few times. Yeah. Suck it up. Get back up. Like, 
you know, you have to be with it for the next person. And it doesn't matter how you feel at two or 3 a.m. You've got to function, right? So yes, it's that mentality. If you look at the whole like trajectory of where business, where the, where medicine has gone and physicians gone now, the burnout rate, the exodus of physicians with the profession, the shortage that's going to happen. Like we have to change. If we want, we do need to change. And I'm already having an idea. I'm like, I want to have you back another time. And we can talk about like how to process bad outcomes, you know, whether or not it's going to go to litigation or not, most likely not, but like, it's so hard. And particularly with OBGYNs, I have a lot of clients and family docs who deliver, like there can be something bad that happens. And then it's like, you're feeling so sad and you want to like process it even for a minute. And the nurses are calling you like, you're, you're doing the OR right now. Like you need to go and Mm. you know, it's this next family's best day ever. And so Mm -hmm. that's really hard. So again, I'm just, putting that like as an idea that we'll have to come back and have that conversation because I think you would be very helpful at, you know, even if it doesn't get to the level of litigation to help us deal with bad outcomes, but maybe you want to talk a little bit about what you do to help people. Or maybe you want to talk a little bit more about your story. You said that coaching helped you. Yeah. So come back to the land of the living and thriving. Yeah. So kind of what happened is that was my last resort. I hired a life coach and Gosh, through the journey of my own healing, I was able to come up with a process myself to get myself um, to thriving, no matter what the outcome of the case was. And not to go into my case, my case is an outlier. It is finally totally done. But I was at peace of mind, no matter what was going to happen with this. And I think, you know, anybody can achieve this, even with an adverse outcome. And I do think these, these adverse events really affect us just the same way as getting served. Sometimes they're detriment because we, we ruminate on what we should have done or could have done. We can't get it out of our head. An intrusive thought will come in as we're seeing patients and we'll just start thinking about it again unexpectedly, right? And, and you can't, and you go home and you try to be present with your kids and you can't because you're just somewhere else. And yeah, those thoughts keep coming again. Yeah. My gals have heard, you know, 50 to 60,000 thoughts a day. They're going to keep coming. And sometimes you get stuck in that, you know, whirlwind of the rumination. Yeah. The loop and you can't get out of the loop. And it's difficult with what we do because we are talking about humans and we care. And I find that the more we care, the worse off it is when something like this happens, we're solely invested in people. And what's, this is what makes us so incredibly good as physicians is because we care so deeply. But then when something like this happens, we want to take responsibility for it when many times it is out of our control. And it doesn't mean just because you're sued doesn't mean that you have that you're a bad doctor, right? And I work a ton with clients because when their mind goes there, they go to catastrophe. Okay. And they go to the places of, well, I must've done it because I was the only one that treated this person. Right. Or they'll go to places of like, because this happened from the surgery that I did, it must've been my fault. Right. And we know people have bodies and, and so many things that we don't Bad things happen sometimes. Yes. Yes. But we go there and then we also think if we feel sad about this patient, it means we're guilty, right? Too. Mm. So all of that has to get unwound and it's normal to be sued. It's okay if we get sued and it's okay that this is happening and just getting to those places, those statements seem to like all of my clients that I've worked with, 
Like they just, they have affinity to this. It's normal and grounding them. So if something, if you have a listener right now, that's maybe going through something that had an adverse event, they keep thinking about, or, or they're getting sued. I just want you today to go to the thought of it's normal. This happens. It, this happens. I'm not alone. Yes. Yes. I'm not alone. That's the other thing I think where was lacking and still lacking is a community support that we know other people, because likely if you're walking around and you've gotten served or you had an adverse event, every single physician that you're walking by has had the same problem, right? Yeah. But nobody's talking about it because number one, we're misunderstanding what the attorneys are telling us. Number two, we're feeling shamed and we're letting the shame grow in the dark by keeping it quiet. Yes. So I think to bring it into the air and normalize again, I don't know if it's just because I'm a person who just like wears my emotions on my sleeves that when I've had mistakes, I just like couldn't help it. I'd go into my office area where all the other docs are sitting and I'd shut the door and I'd start crying. And my partner would just look at me, what's going on, sweets? Well, he wouldn't say sweets. He would say, what's going on? And I'm the one who always says that, but what's going on, you know, and I would let it all out. So like, it was just easy for me to do that. But I think so many more people are more, so many more docs are more closed off. Yeah. Very isolated and feel like they're so alone in this process. And that just eats at them. It creates more shame. It does because if you don't know, so I would, you know, explain whatever is that happened. And then often my partner would say like, oh, well, I didn't have that exact same thing happen, but I had something similar to again, normalize Mm -hmm. that things happen that we're human. Sometimes there are bad outcomes, even when we do everything perfectly. And two, sometimes we make mistakes. Yes. That's really hard for us docs. How do you help us wrap our head around the fact that we make mistakes and sometimes that can not end well? Right. Well, and I think, I think it goes back to, you know, how we're trained. We take the Hippocratic Oath and we have this phrase, do no harm. And that's so deeply ingrained in us that making a mistake is so contrary to that. Right. But we're all human at the end of the day and making a mistake is actually pretty normal. We, if you don't make mistakes, I don't know. I don't know of anybody in the world. Yeah, I mean, we're not robots and even robots, you know, probably yeah. screw up. Right. Right. So we're not superhuman. Like, I guess. Yes, we, we are human that. people. I say this time yeah. and again on the show, like we are humans and we yeah. think we can't make mistakes and we do take the Hippocratic oath. Although I've started to just believe like do no harm, like don't, purposefully do something harmful. Yes. Right. That's egregious. Yes. Yes. And that's the thing. It's like, none of this is intentional. Of course not. And so this is where it can get really shaky in terms of our thinking and the catastrophe of it all. Most of us and most of all the clients I work with, they all go down this path of like, what could I have done to change the outcome? When most of the time you probably couldn't have done anything to change the outcome. Right. And even if there was a mistake made, that you think could have changed the outcome. It doesn't mean, it doesn't have to mean that you're a bad doc. It means that you're human for goodness sake. Yes, we're human. And we all do it. The stats are, here's the stats. They've done several studies regarding this, but what they found was physicians who obviously, who have more credentials, put themselves out there more, see more patients, will are likely to get sued more, right? And there's probably more more complex patients. Yes, yes. But when they review charts, they see that those docs, usually there's very low to little, if none, no medical negligence, 
Whereas when they reviewed charts of other people that don't see thousands of patients and don't, you know, they found that the, the likelihood of negligence in the chart was higher, but they weren't getting sued. Why is that? Do you so, think? Well, and I, I think there's some, I think there's some errors in some of these studies in terms okay. of, you know, how they're reporting it, but this goes back to patient physician relationship. Okay. And this is so essential and it's the perception of the patient and what they're perceiving. Yeah. As a family doc who knew my patients very well and took four, care of four generations of patients, I, again, made some mistakes and I was very honest with the patients and I cried with them when, you know, I was telling them this horrible news. The point is that I've had very good relationship. And as a family doc who did obstetrics, like I felt very comfortable delivering my patients. But when I would see different folks Mm. that I had never met before, it made me a little bit more uncomfortable. I have to say now as an OBGYN, you're dealing with that all the time, like on call. But as a family doc who doesn't see as many high risk things, it just made me nervous, like not having that established relationship, just because I felt like there was a measure of And here's what we know, what patients say, and there are studies on this as well. Like the number one reasons why patients sue is because if they think you're hiding any information and you're not totally honest or trustworthy, they have the inclination to go see a lawyer. Okay. So that's the first thing. If they think anything's being hidden from them, or there were more details left out. So that's really crucial. And I want physicians to think of that, right? Like I just, the other thing is always sitting in the patient's shoes. When there's a complication that happens in a first event or something that was not expected, going in the room, like really getting in a space before you go into the room to talk to this patient is super important. Coming from a place of compassion and thinking about it from their lens, before you walk in is so crucial because that interaction then is going to go so much better than if you're coming at it from your own perspective. Yeah. Or defensiveness, right? Right. You show up with defensiveness that doesn't often end well. They can feel that energy Yes. versus compassion. Like, oh my goodness, this happened. That is such a bummer, you know? Yes. And I want to bring something up because this is crucial, especially if something has happened with a complication and people are like your physicians listening to this or seeing patients and these things come up. One of the things in the research shows that if we're more self-compassionate with ourselves, we're way more compassionate to our patients. And what do I mean by this is that we give love and kindness and that it's okay that we made a mistake and we give ourselves like hugs and love ourselves, despite the fact that we're human And there was something that occurred. And so I always say this, I always say like, this is such a great tool you can use if you get served or if you're going through a lawsuit or if you have an adverse event, it's like, write down what you would say to your very best friend. It was happening to her. What would you say to your very best friend? If the same thing was happening to her, write it down and then say it to yourself and keep saying it to yourself and remind yourself that it's okay. It's normal that this happened. And it's okay. Other people make mistakes. I made a mistake. Normalize that and say, you know what? This patient is probably feeling a little nervous right now. The patient doesn't know what went on. I'm going to come from the patient's shoes today and I'm going to walk in and I'm going to show how much love that I have for this person, this other human being on earth. 
So good. And I love that you are also singing the praises of self-compassion because I talk about it all the time on this podcast because we are so good at giving compassion to our children Mm -hmm. and our patients, but we really need to give it to ourselves. And that's such a beautiful kind of centering grounding to go in and have that conversation with the patient. Someone makes a mistake or maybe it's not even a mistake, but there's a bad outcome in a situation what would you say is the first step that they should do besides I mean, be compassionate to themselves? Like, do they talk to somebody? Do they talk to their, you know, medical legal team? Yeah. You know, there's a really two-step process. The first is, yes, you want to tell your quality or, or the hospital, whoever that go-to person is, when you think a mistake was made, you definitely want to report it. And um, this again is, and don't be, don't feel bad <laughs> Give yourself some self-compassion and and report it. That's the first step. The second step is I would say you want to go share how it's impacting you and feeling. And I personally would go to a coach. I would go get on a group program or go talk to a coach. And it maybe just might be one session or like, you know, one conversation that gets you over the hump so that you can get back to your practice and your life and thrive still instead of just still ruminating and surviving. So I think those are crucial things. What we tend to do is we might report it to quality, but then we'll sit and spin in our loneliness. I was just going to say we ruminate. I've talked to so many clients who had maybe a mistake or just a bad outcome and they haven't been served, but they just keep thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and wishing it would be different, right? We know that Byron Katie, like when you fight reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time, it amplifies the suffering in my totally belief. Just create suffering. Yeah, yeah. you totally just create suffering it. versus yeah. like acknowledging like, okay, this happened. That's the fact. Right. Now what? How am right. I going to support myself through this? Yeah. And I love what you just said, Michelle, because this is what I do a ton of work on, which works really well in these situations also. So not only learning self-compassion and tools with that, but also to really separate out facts versus story. And I work a lot on this with clients because of the fact that we have big stories. here's, Here's what happens. There are facts and there are opinions and story about the facts. And we believe both as if they're true. And so it's peeling back those layers to get to, okay, what is really facts here? And what really is your brain deciding to tell? And what story are you deciding to tell about it? And and when you can separate out and look at both of those on paper, it's very eye-opening and it's, it is very healing in itself. It's so healing. It's one of my favorite things that I do when people are so caught up in this whole, I call it drama-rama, but it's just like our, the story of our life. But when something big like this happens, a trauma, we create a huge story around it typically. And it feels yes. so true. Like the sky is blue. I'm a horrible doc. Like it just feels like that's a fact. Right. But when we right. separate out the facts from, and we docs are really good at this people. We know subjective objective. We do it every day in our practice. So like, I'm like, you guys, you're going to get this no problem. So you sort it out. And it just mm-hmm. is like, all of a sudden, like a little bit of heaviness lifts, I think. Yes. It's very, it's one of the immediate things that can really be helpful in a situation like this. Like, you know, so I just t- talked to somebody the other day and, and there was a bad outcome. And it's like the best advice you could do right now is go lay it, just do a brain download, which is just whatever's in your brain right now, write it all down 
and then start asking each sentence. Is this really fact? Is this really true? What Byron Katie does, is this true? You know, is yeah. it really it's true? It's usually 95% yes. thoughts and thought downloads yes. is my experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which and, is just so good to know, like, oh, this yeah. is why I'm feeling this way. All of these thoughts swirling in my head. No wonder I feel inadequate and like a failure and ashamed. Right. Oh, my goodness. It sounds like you are doing amazing work. You're doing one on one yes. coaching. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us about that. Yeah. So so what I do is I work with physicians one on one. We meet for an hour a week, usually on Zoom, sometimes by phone, depending on schedules. And I find that both instances are great and you can get so much out of it. But we really curtail it to what each person needs because they are in different situations. And, you know, so I work with them for six months. And the reason is, is because court cases last and they're ongoing. Um, and I want you to have the full benefit. Life happens, distractions happen, and six months seems to be the adequate time frame. And then I do have physicians now coming back to me and saying, I need to talk again for a couple months because what happens with cases is there'll be lulls. And then there'll be spurts of activity and then lulls again. And it's really trying to find the balance of being able to thrive no matter what's happening and, and being more calm and even. I remember when I was going through my case, every time I get an email from my lawyer, I would just catastrophize, go off, have palpitations. It's a very big trigger. Stomach. It was such a trigger. I couldn't open up the email for yeah. quite some time. And so we work through those things. And what happens sometimes we'll work for six months and then there'll be a period of time of silence and then things will come back. And so, so you're there for them if they yeah. need more. Yeah. Here's a question. If someone just had say something, just really, there was a terrible thing that happened. I don't know. I'm not going to make up an event. Just something terrible happens and they have not been served, but they're just really stuck and ruminating and feeling mm -hmm. horrible and ready to quit medicine. And, you know, perhaps having really deep, dark thoughts, despite, you know, no litigation being involved. Is that someone that could reach out to you? Yes, absolutely. Good. So, Cause I, I believe actually, in prevention as a primary care doctor, like let's not wait till it gets really bad. Like if, yeah. if you're struggling and something bad happens, Laura can help you. Yes. Yeah. And actually half of my clients, that's what they're made up of, of people where there's an adverse event. Even if you're, you know, you haven't gone there about getting sued, you just can't get over that event. That's when you come to me. Yes. So absolutely. good. Mm -hmm. I just thought of another question. I feel like I had heard it come up, you know, maybe a year ago or someone reached out to me and they were concerned about bringing this sort of thing up with a coach or a therapist because of um, mm. what's the word, what's the word I'm looking for Them being able to like get the records. It's, okay. Yeah. So great. Talk, talk about that. Great question, Michelle. I love that question because here's the thing. Is it discoverable? Technically? Yes, but there's no chart. Yes. I don't keep a chart. There's no recordings going on. There's nothing. And I, I have worked with so many physicians. There's no way, like if they would end up subpoenaing me, I don't have any records. Like we don't have a chart. Coaches don't have charts. Right. So if they ask you, do you recall this? You're like, okay, I'm jumbled with the other 20 clients. Like, yeah, yeah. And so it's very safe. It sounds it's, like it's very safe. The environment is very safe. And the other thing I want to offer to people is I have talked to so many lawyers about this one entity here and they have never seen any sort of subpoenaed of all these ancillary people in a medical malpractice case. Okay. I just tell people like, you know, if you want to stay away from the details in the chart, totally fine. Like, and most people do, most people can tell me what's the funny thing about this conversation too, Michelle, is when you read, when you get sued, if you would read this and by the way, 
if you're listening to this podcast and you get served, do not read what's in there. This is my advice to you. Lots of triggering words, lots of things that we catastrophize about. And honestly, your lawyer is going to tell you what's in that document. You don't even need to do it. And my advice is just don't read it. I mean, if you know that you're getting served, you know, you know what the case, the gist of it is, you don't really need to read it. But yeah, here's going to be That's- fodder for a lot of new thoughts. Yes, exactly. And then we just catastrophize. But here's the thing about that document. It's public record. So we talk about this stuff. I mean, you can go find exactly why somebody's suing somebody. Okay. And now we're scared to tell somebody that we're getting sued for this. Interesting. Ex- no sense, right? Yeah. It's public record. I, I think the thing is most of my clients do, we just stay away from the details of the chart. Like I, I and I'm certainly not going to remember any details that you're going to yeah. tell me. About and that's fine because what you're yeah. helping with them is processing the shame and sadness and frustration yeah. and anger and all of the, what I call the shit smoothie of emotions. Yes. That yeah. people are going through and you help them realize, Hey, number one, this happens. In fact, it's way more normal than you ever knew. And this is how we're going to get you from surviving to thriving. Yes, exactly. And it's really about the impact it's having on your life. It's not anything to do with the actual details. Yeah. yeah. So, You're not dealing yeah. with the case. You're helping yeah. that person. Totally. Which is- so valuable. And again, I love that you're doing this work. I think it is so important. And again, we don't need to clone you, but that would be amazing. But like, we just need more and more, you know, the physician mm-hmm. coaching world is really building up, which is so exciting. And I just imagine that we're going to be like on every street corner so we can help our people. That's yes. why we're doing this work is because yeah. we care about the people we've gone through suffering. I've gone through in and out of burnout so many times you've dealt with, you know, malpractice, yes. you know, the struggles of that. I lost my baby sister to suicide. So we are going to talk about our brains. We are going to talk about feeling the feels and we're here to help. So I just want my listeners to know that not alone. And if you're struggling with something like this, please reach out to Laura. I will make sure that we share all her contact information. But before I go there, I want to make sure, Laura, is there anything else that we didn't talk about that you think would be important to share? Yeah, I think we covered a lot, Michelle. But one of the things I just would really like to end with is a couple of things. One is if you go to my website, themedmalcoach.com, I do have a free guide downloadable about the medical malpractice myths. And I think it's really insightful for people to kind of crush the tabooism of it and really get you understanding and normalizing conversation. But also I just, I want to end with this because I think this is so powerful. And I sat spun for years, not knowing what to do and in suffering and silence. And I think reaching out, I want people today to understand there's hope for them to get help for them and get healing right away. Because the sooner that you get into this coaching world and the sooner that you see, you know, when these things happen, you will be able to smash it in medicine. Think about docs 10 years from now that do this now. Holy smokes. Yeah. We're We're going to be unstoppable. Yes. That's what we never learned these things. We learned so many amazing things in school, so many amazing things in our residencies and fellowships, but we never learned how to manage our brain. And this is just such like an up level to deal with. We try to control everything around us. That's how I thought that I could stay sane. Right. Um, That's impossible, people. You all know that. (laughs) So 
you know, the work that I do, the work that Lord is doing, the work that so many other coaches are doing is helping you realize and regain control of what you can control. Yes, absolutely. Which, which feels so, so powerful, you know, like yeah. you're back in the driver's seat. Yeah. yeah. So good. Well, I'm going to have links to your website. Tell me again in my show notes, tell us again what the name is. Yeah. It's the medmalcoach.com. Perfect. And so if someone wants to find out more about you, that's where they go and they can sign up for like a consultation or something with you. Yeah. So just go to my website. You can get to my calendar link really easily. I can give that to Michelle too. She can put it in her show notes, the calendar link. And honestly, just sign up, talk to you 45 minutes free. And sometimes that's enough, you guys, to unload it and unpack it and really help you get to another place. So I'm here. I'm happy to help. Oh my goodness. I love being a part of this group of amazing physician coaches who are doing our bit to help heal the healer because you know what? Life is hard and yet we make it way more difficult. So we're here to help. This was such a wonderful conversation. And again, I'm pretty sure we need to have another conversation to dig in to some more of the details. So thank you so much for taking time to be with me today and my listeners, Laura. You're welcome. Thank you guys so much. Are you ready to take control of your life? put these tools into action, I'm here to help. I offer free consultations for physician moms to see if my one-on-one coaching package is right for you. You can sign up for a free consult at www.mamadoclifecoach.com.